0: is from St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 18, to chapter 2, verse 12. And you can find this in, on page 965 of the Church Bibles, if you wish to follow it. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave the name Jesus. The Magi visit the Messiah. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star not to go back to herod they returned to their country by another route this is the word of the lord thanks be to god
1: let us pray father as we look and think look at and think about your word we ask you that you would be with us to guide our thoughts and open our hearts to you lord we ask you that your word inform our lives in every thought and every action every day and that at this time as we think specifically about your word in specific ways, we ask you that you would be with us to help us to understand it, to take note of it, to learn it, and to make it part of our daily living. Father, we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, as I said a bit earlier, the, the sermon today and the, the thinking about today, there was a bit of a journey. And um, because I was in a conversation with David and the, I, in the course of a conversation, uh, David was talking about it today, and I said, "Well, I'll do that." And of course, the thing is, I have never done a service like this on a Sunday before. I have done in smaller contexts. So I'm accustomed to having a text in front of me for everything I say, except the sermon. Uh, so uh, you just have to bear with me <laughs> as, as we as we go through this. But nonetheless, um, so today I was began thinking about this Sunday after Christmas. And in our wider tradition, Anglican tradition, uh, the Sunday after Christmas continues the Christmas theme. But this one looks forward further today. We're looking forward to the wise men. Now, in the prayer book and in all of the structures of things, that's epiphany. I'm very happy to do the wise men today because in my opinion. I'm afraid I agree with another tradition where the wise men are part of Christmas and Epiphany is about the baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan, so I'm very happy to include that, but it made for a rather longer reading. So I hope um, you were able to bear with that. Uh, But as I was thinking about this, I began to realize that the whole of the first two chapters of Matthew tell one story. And um, if you look at at Matthew, and I'm not going to preach about this. I'm just going to draw it to your attention. But if you look at the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew begins in what we these days would consider a terminally boring way to start a narrative. It's a list of, um, I'm not very good at math, but three times 14, however much that is, um, uh, with a list of names and who was the father of who and it it kind of goes on a bit, and uh, so you you can, could be quite discouraged before you got very far into it, but that 's a very important list because it connects directly to the to both the rest of chapter one and chapter two, because one of the things that this list does is it names joseph joseph. Uh, as Jesus' guardian, but Jesus as a member of Joseph's legal family and his household, as the heir to all the kings of Israel and all of the patriarchs. Joseph was from a very distinguished background. But this is not about Joseph, this is about Jesus being the heir that Jesus what this is saying is that Jesus is the true king of Israel. King of the Jews. As you see this was fulfilled ultimately. In the superscription that Pilate wrote. Above the cross. That he is here is Jesus of Nazareth. King of the Jews. So that this is what Matthew is, is drawing to. That um, all of this genealogy of Jesus came to its fulfillment, not what Matthew wrote, but Matthew wrote down what the genealogy was and the genealogy of Jesus led him to that point. So one of the things that these, this passage, these chapters are about is king, the kingship of Jesus. Then we move a little transition into the birth of Jesus. Now, the birth of Jesus, Matthew does not go into the details like Luke does. He does assert in um, the next section, the beginning of chapter 2, that it was in Bethlehem. But he tells the story, um, Matthew tells the story of the awkward story of Mary in relationship to Joseph. I mean, this does strike a a chord uh, um, because... It looked like a very awkward, uh, difficult situation. It it says that Joseph was a just man. Joseph didn't want, would he realize that Mary was expecting a baby, not his? Well, what is one to believe? He had no idea what had happened. But he wasn't someone who would be offended and enraged at being put into this situation. It says very clearly that Joseph was a just man and had determined in his heart to very discreetly, and that's why it says privately, so that no one would know about it, set the, this betrothal aside. But Joseph had a dream. And one of the things that we see in this, in, in this passage... Uh, actually in, the, both, in both with the Magi and with Joseph, but we see particularly with Joseph, and this continues with him, is that Joseph had a dream. Now that puts Joseph, interestingly, in good company because there's another Joseph, a bit earlier in the scripture, who was also a man through whom God connected with dreams. But Joseph, the, God speaks to Joseph through, G, through dreams, and Joseph has a succession of dreams in which God speaks to him and tells him about what's happening and he says but after this he had but after he had considered this an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said Joseph son of David do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because that what is, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will be give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins and so Joseph then uh, took all, uh, all of this took place uh, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet um, uh, the virgin. Uh, will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then Joseph woke up and did what the angel had commanded and took Mary as his wife and had not known her. And um, when the child was born, gave him the name Jesus. And then we move into the next chapter uh, to find out the details, some of the details, not about the birth, that that's already happened. They're still in Bethlehem. Now, nobody knows. You know, one of the things about Scripture is as as we study Scripture, we only have the text of the new, in in this case, of the Bible, but in this incident, the New Testament. Nobody knows anything about either timing of this. We just know what that It says. After uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the time of King Herod, that's the only time we have, Magi from the East came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the East and have come to worship him. So Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem. And of course, you remember from Luke's account that they had to go to Bethlehem because that was the city of David Joseph's ancestral place and uh, the the birth has happened and they're still residing there and then these men come from the east now this was the point of Psalm 72 because Psalm 72 is seen as a prophecy of the Magi coming and this links into this again this idea of kingship that we had with all of the lists of, uh, of, of, of the kings of Israel um, in the beginning of chapter 1. Because this, the Magi, come and worship the infant Jesus, which makes him king of kings. See, these men, I mean, they're wise men, but traditionally they're thought of as kings. But it means and prophesied as kings, the kings of the east shall come, kings of east and west shall come and bear gifts. And so that this, is, this establishes, this presents the picture of Jesus as um, the king of kings. And the other thing that we see in Psalm 72 is not only is it about the kingship of Israel, but it's also the, about the messiah. All of these king psalms are prophecies of Jesus as the Messiah. He is the anointed king. Now, the thing about kings is that they were anointed. If you read, in uh, there's several very interesting stories. There's um, the story of how Samuel anointed David and the whole uh, to-do about, you know, not this brother, no, not that one, no, not that one, yes, him. You know, go get him. Is there one more? You know, so they finally bring him, and then he pours the oil over him. But then there are other interesting stories um, uh, concerning other prophets um, about the kingship and the anointed one. So that the so that the Messiah is the king is also the Messiah. So that so that these readings are funneling down onto the person of this infant. Majesty and glory completely hidden and will remain hidden until his resurrection actually and fulfilled ultimately in his ascension when he ascends to sit and reign at the right hand of the father so the kings come and they said we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him and when Herod heard this, he was disturbed. You can bet. If you know anything about Herod the Great, you know that he was one of the vilest people who have who has graced the earth. Well, not graced the earth, who's walked the earth. Um, he, the Herods were a most terrible family, and I mean, they killed each other with abandon. Um, they were jealous. Uh, they were um, demanding and. Um, uh, powerful and exercised power in a very brutal and ruthless way. And um, so when he heard news of another king, he was deeply disturbed. And we, we, didn't, we didn't go into that today, but that goes into the story of the innocents in Bethlehem. Uh, but that's yet to come. And when Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he called together all the, the people's chief uh, priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. And they say to Herod, in Bethlehem, of, in, uh, Bethlehem in Judea. And they replied, for this... Is what the prophet has written, and then they give. Then Matthew gives the, the prophecy. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of the people of, of your people Israel. Now, this says one of the things it says about Herod. Is Herod wasn't, the Herods weren't really Jews, that's the first thing. They had, through politics, Roman politics, they had wheedled their way. They were from an Idumean tribe, which is down in the very south of Judah, had gotten as people, often happens, the wrong people get into the wrong places. And this is one of the things about Herod. and. Um, Herod did not, Herod wasn't, when I say well, he, wasn't a very, he, he wasn't really a Jew, he wasn't, certainly wasn't a good Jew, he didn't know the Jewish traditions. Everybody, if you were a real Jew, you studied the, the, the scriptures, and you knew. You would have known, you wouldn't have had to call the, um, the chief priests and all of us to consult, you would have known. But Herod didn't know, so he wants to know. And they say in Bethlehem. So then Herod calls the Magi and uh, tells them, he, got the, he wants to know when this happened. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. And as soon as you find, find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. Well, that's a lie. And after they had heard the king They went their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, I just want to think about that little episode. Um, Herod tells them, it's in Bethlehem, but you have to go find out. I don't know anything more about it than that. But do come back and tell me. I'll have my plans, and then they set out. Now, these are people. Let's just think about who these men are. We, we don't. Really, like one of the things I was referring to when I said we only have the text of scripture. We don't know anything about them other than that they were they were there. I mean, we, there's no details given. They were astrologers, most probably. They were most probably from Persia. Or that environment, somewhere around that Middle Eastern way, further a good bit further east than um, Bethlehem, and so that they had seen, studying the stars, who knows what motivated them? Nobody can possibly know, but these men set off traveling, and they got as far as Jerusalem. Following the star, now people have speculated about the star endlessly. Not long ago, I, 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 um, a, a friend uh, had a book about about it. It was quite a quite a good book in which the star was most probably yes, there was a star, and yes, it did happen at that time, and it was most probably a comet and not a star star, but a comet something that in the heavens. And um, but whatever it was, well, however it was manifested. They were able, and it, what this is the thing about this? This is all done by the Holy Spirit. these people don 't know that it 's being done by the Holy Spirit, but it is the Holy Spirit is moving and guiding people, everybody into position it 's like um, kind of almost like a stage set where there 's Jesus has been born, and all of these things have to con, configure around them, and so people things are happening, not very quickly, but things are happening around Jesus, and so that these, these wise men, the Magi from the East, are looking. Now, how on earth can you pick out a house or a dwelling place from a star up in the sky? You can't. I mean, that's an absurd idea. But what, what, what they did have was the Holy Spirit to lead and guide them and made them connect the star with the place that Jesus was living in. We don't understand how these things happened. There are a lot of people who want to understand it and try to get their minds into it, but you can't. I would advise you just to take the story as it comes and enjoy the story and love it, but we can't know beyond what the text tells us. So that they... And they were filled with joy. You can imagine that. Has it ever, if you just think about this, they have been journeying a great distance. And you see these um, on TV, uh, these kind of camel trades, one assumes they came on camels. I mean, who knows what they came on? They could have come on donkeys or something else, but whatever they were on, they'd come a long way. they um, who knows how they had, how long it had taken them. Uh, Most probably a long time, no doubt a long time, because it was only step by step, you know, from wherever they started uh, to Bethlehem. And they had this hope of finding this person whom they didn't know who it was, they didn't know really where he was, they just knew he was that way. And then they come to the place. Now, if you put yourself in their position, you would be overcome with joy. What you had struggled for and worked for, what you were driven by to do this thing, was being fulfilled. They didn't know what they were doing. They only knew, I would assume, they only knew... That they were from they had read in the stars that this was this child needed to be honored with gifts, so they came they didn 't have any foreknowledge of Jesus or any of any of that kind of thing they were operating out of complete ignorance, but they were guided by the Holy Spirit nonetheless, and so they came to the place um, where Jesus was, and when they um, on coming into the house they saw the child with his mother and they bowed down and worshiped him now there was there they did come to know there their ignorance who knows what the conversation was but one of the things of course we have to we can't read ahead in the story because mary didn't know mary had an idea that This child that was born was God's child. Important things were going to happen, but what they were, no one knew. See, the thing is that it isn't as though this story is operating out of everybody already knows that it's very hard for us to get, you know, they don't know all the story already because they didn't know any of the story. But they did know this. They did know that the child was the object of their journey. They knew that God, whom however they knew Him, because they weren't Jews, in whatever way they knew him, had led them to this place, and that this child was the object of God's action in their lives, had driven them, that they had been driven and impelled forward to this moment. And it was I think that's an amazing moment. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now all three of these gifts are connected with um, passion, the death of Jesus, and kingship, and messiahship. So that Jesus, the, the myrrh, certainly is, um, looks to the cross. And to the death of Jesus and his saving death. So, in this child, Matthew's narrative is funneling all of the who Jesus is going to be. I mean, in, into into this narrative, so that Jesus is the king of the true king of the Jews. Jesus is the hoped for and awaited Messiah. Jesus is um, the, the suffering servant of the Old Testament of Isaiah uh, 62 so that Matthew is funneling all this and so that this moment when which, which kind of concludes uh, the birth of things surrounding the birth of Jesus this is a climactic moment when they pres- open their gifts which are prophecies of what is to come for the child. And then, they don't go back to Herod. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they return to their country by another route. And then they exit from the stage, and we don't hear any more about them. And the rest of chapter 2 is, of course, the escape into Egypt the terrible tragedy of the, the Herod inflicted, I mean, which is a clear demonstration of his ruthless brutality. Every child, male child under two, is to be uh, slaughtered, and um, uh, and then eventually Herod dies, um, and uh, he had a horrible death. But we won't go into that. And um, and then they re- then the return to Nazareth. So. So this first chapter sets up then the story that is yet to come in the rest of the Gospels. But this, this narrative is rich and um, uh, if, we, if we consider this, everybody thinks about Luke with Christmas and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing and it's, it's musical. It's, we can all hear <laughs> um, uh, chapter two of Luke in, in our minds, you know, out of the King James uh, Version. Um, but. This particular one in Matthew is particularly rich, if we about who Jesus is, what his life and ministry will be. All is being set out here in in this passage and in this narrative, and of course, with Psalm seventy-two echoes as prophetic all of these things. So, um, uh, I I think that. Um, This deserves one of the things I've thought about suggesting is when you go home, sit down, and read Matthew, the first two chapters of Matthew, and 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 think about it because um, Matthew is setting setting the story up. Um, He's not; it's all done a bit obliquely. Uh, He's not saying Jesus is this or is that. You have to, you know, you have to get the background. But it's, um, I think, it's powerful and rich. And um, it is well worth having a, 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 good, um, a good look at. And so um, I, uh, am, I was very pleased, actually. How, um, like I said, there was a bit of a journey to this, uh, but uh, talking with uh, Linda about the hymns and things, it made me think more. And so um, I, the one thing I wanted just to conclude with is... thinking about the scriptures in a wider way, is very often, because we know passages like the birth of Jesus so well, and have heard them so often, it's easy to slide over them, and not stop and think about them. And so I would like to just encourage you Not only with this, but as you read the script, particularly when you come upon things that are familiar, is to step back a bit, take the time, read through it slowly, and ask the Lord to guide you into the depths of it. Because all of the scriptures, there's a richness and a depth that very often uh, we, we kind of slide over because it is familiar. We think, oh yeah, I know that. I mean, I do that a lot. Uh, And so today was an exercise, for me, was an exercise in stepping back and thinking. And I would like to to, uh, suggest to you that in in your reading of Scripture, that that this is something that you you try to do, Um, you know, as often as as you can think about it. But try to ask the Lord to to show you that, that, that there's more there than meets the eye. Uh, the, um, we can all remember the, um, the phrase from the uh, collect in the prayer book for um, the uh, second Sunday in Advent about the scriptures, which is to read, mark, learn, and inwardly. I always think the last one is the clincher. Inwardly digest. You know, We can read, mark, and learn, but the real business is inwardly digest. Make them a part of who we are. Amen.